About 15 years ago, these little things became a thing. Do you remember life before mobile phones? Um, by the way, my mobile phone is currently switched off, so if you're thinking of it would be a smart idea to start ringing me, that's switched off, all right? It's going to go through to voicemail. I reckon there would be at least a few people that would be thinking that right now. But there it is, these little things called smartphones that came into our lives about 15 years ago and have dramatically changed the way we do lives. We have computers in our pockets and we do all sorts of things. We do our social media on these things. We do our banking, some of us, on these things. We read newspapers. Uh, we read magazines. We do all sorts of different stuff on these particular things. And it's become, I guess, as the smartphones evolved, a bit of a debate over which way you should go. Uh, and, and there's two in these days now, two main different operating systems. Uh, and the, 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 I guess the one operating system is the, the iPhone one, the iOS, the iPhone operating system. Uh, the alternative operating system is the Android operating system. Now, just a quick survey. Who here has an iPhone and rolls with the iPhone operating system? Quite a few people. Well done. Who here has an Android and operates the Android? Well, there's a few more Android people than iPhone people. I'm not sure what I think about that. Um, <laughs> it's certainly going to be a long prayer ministry session later, I think. <laughs> iPhone, iPhone, for me, iPhone's it, right? I, I love the iPhone. Uh, it's not a plug for the iPhone, by the way. I, I, something about the iPhone and the, the Apple operating system, that for me, it's just intuitive, it works, and it, and it clicks in with my brain, and it's all good. I know that there's some people that love the Android because you can do stuff behind the Android, and you get in, and you get into all the details, and it's all really good from that point of view, but I couldn't be bothered with that. So for me, it's the iPhone. And as I've already said, the iPhone operating system is called iOS. And I'd share this because it's, I guess, for me, asking a question around oh, what does an operating system for our faith looks like? If we had an iOS for following Jesus, what would it look like? What would we be putting in place in order to be able to follow him with all that we've got for all of our days? Now, as has already been mentioned, we're in Advent today. That's our second Sunday of Advent. And one of the things that I love to do around Advent time is just to explore some of the uh, stories around Jesus' birth. And I think it's really good for us just to slow down a little bit and to sit with some of these stories, to engage with them. Uh, Advent is really about an announcement. It's about the announcement of the coming of Jesus. But a big part of Advent and the reason why in church history we, we have Advent is because it's about making room. Just as they had to make room in an inn, or at least it was out the back of the inn, probably in a cave for Jesus, Advent's about making room for him again. It's about opening ourselves up to that fresh encounter and that fresh revelation. So the story we're in today is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. And it's a story about Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, and the events surrounding him when he first discovers that Mary is pregnant with a little baby. And this is what Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25 says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So we're going to put in place an operating system for following Jesus, an iOS. This is what I think it looks like. The first one is integrity. And we see it here in this passage. We see Joseph's integrity just shining through in a couple of different ways. We see it, first of all, when he finds out that Mary has become pregnant. Now, in the day, in Jesus' day, when he was born, if a woman had become pregnant out of wedlock, it was cause for great shame and disgrace. And it was a societal norm of the day to to reject the woman, to ostracise her. They were actually allowed to, permitted to stone the woman if that's what she'd been found to be, to be pregnant. And so Joseph here, before the angel comes to him in a dream, is contemplating these things and he's seeing that Mary has become pregnant and he's probably almost certainly thinking the worst And he has reasons to bring about her public disgrace. But instead of public disgrace, he starts to think about, maybe I'll just divorce her quietly. At the time, he saw no other option but to do that because he was faithful to God's law. But but he, he wanted to do it quietly. He wanted to keep intact her dignity and her respect. He's a man of integrity. We see it a bit further on in the passage when he's now married to Mary. And he knows now the full story. He knows that Jesus, who's in Mary's womb, has not been conceived by anyone else. It's by God. And he knows that. And in order to keep that story and that narrative intact, he chooses not to consummate the marriage, but to hold himself, to elevate what God's plan was and God's purposes was. We see here that Joseph is a a man of great integrity. Now, now when we look at our political leaders and our sporting leaders that we read about in the media today, what what do we find? Well, well, all too often, the, the public life doesn't match the private life. Seems to have been a theme this year where the public life has not matched the private life and people have been exposed, they've been caught out and as a result there's been disgrace and damage that's been brought upon them. But there's been an integrity gap, they've lacked integrity. 
And I think when it comes to looking at what a faith operating system looks like for following Jesus, we have to come to integrity first. And maybe even ask ourselves the question, is my private life equal with my public life? It's a hard question to answer at times. At least it's hard to be really honest about it at times. But I think it's important that we sit with that question. Too often in our political leaders, in our sporting heroes, in our other celebrities, whatever it is, we've seen an integrity gap. And if you want to close that integrity gap, you have to increase or match your private life with your public life. Some good questions to sit there. The second part of the operating system is obedience. Is obedience. In verse 19... Because Joseph, was her hus- because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He, he obeyed God's word. I, I find this really interesting, actually, because um, Joseph was a, a man who, in this story, he was visited by an angel in a dream. It's not something that happens very often to these days. I'm not sure the last time an angel visited me in a dream. Um, in fact, if I'm really honest, it probably hasn't ever happened. But in Jesus' day and culture, dreams were really common. And they were seen as a way in which God spoke and, and God would often speak through dreams and, and through visions. In fact, in Joel chapter 2, it predicts what it would be like in Jesus' day and it says that young men will see visions and old men will see dreams or have dreams. And I look at myself and I think, well, at 48, I'm in between. I'm not either a young man anymore. I'm certainly not an old man, at least in my own opinion, though the kids seem to think that I am. But but maybe when you're in middle age, you get both. Is that right? You think you could get both visions and dreams? That would be really good, wouldn't it? And I wonder what it is about Joseph. What was the space that God was able to use here that he could actually come and speak to Joseph? I believe it was Joseph's obedience. He had proven himself faithful to the law. And that nurtured a space which enabled God to use. And in God's faithfulness, he used that in order to bring about his plans and purposes. The history of our church at New Peninsula Baptist Church, there are stories that sit within the history of our church which are stories of obedience to God's plan. I just want to share a couple with you today. I'm indebted to Brian Good and to Doug Butler for this information as well, who who very generously provided it to me. New Peninsula Baptist Church is a church that was a result of two churches coming together, Rosebud Baptist or Southern Peninsula Baptist and Mornington Baptist Church. And the stories I want to share today sit in the history of Mornington Baptist Church. MBC was a church plant from Frankston Church, now the Full Blessing Baptist Church. Like all good Christian enterprises, prayer meetings led the way. Prayer meetings led the way. In March 1959, the original group of God's people committed themselves to the Spirit's leading and then they waited on God. This little paragraph for me is dripping with obedience. 
Prayer leading the way. Waiting on God. Stepping out into an adventure, to a risky adventure for what God has for them. They didn't have to wait long with the first worship service conducted on the 5th of July 1959 in the home of the Camp family at 53 Imelda Avenue in Mornington, which had room large enough to cater for that very first congregation. The early services had an average attendance of 18 people. Wherever there's obedience, blessing follows. And I look at this story because among that 18... There are people there whose great-grandchildren are a part of our youth group today. Amazing. Young people thriving and growing and being challenged and encouraged in their faith and they have this history of God's blessing that started all way back in 1959. But it's not just that. 18 people meeting in a home. And then you look at where the church has gone and the trajectory of the church and you look at the impact that the church has had, the lives that have been changed through the decades. There's been a blessing that's followed obedience. There's another story. In the mid-1990s, the church leadership of the day had a sense that God wanted them to care for those in their community who were doing it tough, those on the margins, the poor, the downtrodden, the brokenhearted. And so they came alongside those people and it started in a cupboard, actually, a very small little cupboard with some food that was available to be donated. An act of obedience, following God's call and God's plan to care and look after those who need it. And that ministry started to grow. And it grew bigger than a cupboard and it became an op shop and then it grew and then it got its own premises and it moved and it moved and it moved beyond that and that ministry is now what we know as New Community, New Peninsula Community Caring Inc. There was an act of obedience and from that a blessing flowed. I'm reliably told we had a goal, I think from memory, it was a bit over 400 it might have been 430 uh, food uh, vouchers or vouchers to be given out to families in need this Christmas and it closed last Sunday we didn't just hit our target we exceeded our target by some way Uh, I can't remember exactly and Simon if you're here you might like to yell out and tell me but I think it was around about 470 or 475 475 But that in itself is an act of obedience. A group of people from this church today, over the last few weeks anyway, have been sowing in generously to this ministry. And as a result, 475 families in our local communities are going to be blessed by this Christmas with vouchers to cover expenses that they had no hope of otherwise covering. Amazing. But it's an even better story. It gets even better. This year not initiated by us, but one of the local primary schools decided that they would like to partner with us in this as well. And so they put out an invitation in their newsletter to invite people to consider also giving towards this cause. And this particular local primary school in Mornington raised over $900 to go towards this Christmas hope appeal. Something pretty amazing is happening when you have community organisations such as that partnering with you in God's mission to your local community. 
But where there's obedience, a blessing flows. I wonder what God is asking you to do today. What is the area of obedience that he's asking of you? The third part of our operating system is salvation. Names can be really significant. I um, like doing baby dedications and I, um, you know, just, I don't know, there's something about baby dedications. They're just great. You get to hold the baby, you pray over them and you, you speak uh, uh, something of God's truth and, and his word into that situation, young family. I love doing baby dedications. And when I'm doing a baby dedication in my preparation, I'll often look up what the name is because sometimes the name carries really uh, great significance and you can weave it in to the baby dedication. And I remember once I was doing a baby dedication and the, the little boy's name was Jack. And I thought, beautiful, I'm going to have a look at this. So I looked it up and there it was and I googled Jack, a mechanical device designed to lift a car that needs to be repaired. (laughs) And I thought to myself, that's going to be challenging. Um, I did manage to weave it in, actually. Uh, But but baby names are are really important. We we named our eldest daughter Maria and uh, she's given me permission to share this story. Maria... um, was named uh, and, and a really significant name for us because in October of 2004 we lost Kate's brother in really tragic circumstances. In December of 2004 we travelled to Germany to connect with Kate's family and spend some time with them. We were really fragile at the time. We were hurting. We had doubt, had questions of God. And two days before Christmas, it was a Sunday, and Kate's grandfather took us to his church. It was a Catholic church. And as we travelled around Europe, we'd visited lots of churches and a lot of the churches in Europe are like museums. If you've ever got to visit churches in Europe, they're like museums, they're nice, they look good, great architecture. But often you go in there and there's not a lot of life. There's not a lot of spiritual life anyway. But we walked into this church on this Sunday, 23rd of December, 2004, 800-year-old building. Could have been a museum, but it wasn't. It was a Catholic church, so this sort of blew my mind a bit because we walked in there and there was this sense of God's spirit. Couldn't deny it. And because it was all in German, I could hardly understand a word of it. But the priest was sharing the story of Mary and of Mary's faithfulness at a very young age and dedication to God and a willingness to be used by him. And in German, they don't use the word Mary, they use the word Maria. Maria. And they, they actually pronounce it in a certain way and I can never get it right. 
even though it's my own daughter's name. Maria. It's like a ha. You know, Germans like doing that, don't they? Maria. Ma. Anyway, ask Kate. And all through this service, church was full. Young people in the church, could you believe that? Holy Spirit at work. Kate and I, tears. But there was some healing happening there. And even though we had doubts, even though we'd prayed for Kate's brother's healing and more than I'd prayed for anything before or even since probably, even though we had those questions and even though we were in pain, we encountered the Holy Spirit afresh that day. We walked away and we knew we'd be okay. Because God was good. And even though there's things that we don't understand and doubt and all of that, his presence is real. His grace is true. And we encountered his love that day. Names are important. When the angel visited Joseph in a dream, he said, she's going to give birth to a son, Joseph, and you are to give him the name Jesus. We read on in verse 25 that that's exactly what he did. Verse, Jesus is a relatively common name, actually, in those days, a bit like Paul. Like you know, There's a lot of 45-year-old Pauls running around today, and there's a lot of 12-year-old Toms and... There's some common names. Each generation has some common names and Jesus was a common name of that day. But the angel turned up in a dream and said to Joseph, you to call him Jesus. Interestingly, the angel did exactly the same thing to Mary separately and gave her that very instruction as well. You to call him Jesus. Jesus means saviour. as is my want, when I go through difficult and challenging circumstances, I read my way through it often. I'll, I'll, I'll try and read what other people are writing about particular situations and I'll study it. And It's very much a, a mind thing. My, my heart gets impacted through my mind. And so when this difficult circumstance happened in 2004, we did a lot of reading around suffering. And I didn't get all my questions answered about Jesus, but the one thing that I did understand and I came to realise is that he knows and understands suffering better than any of us. He endured a suffering far greater than what we would ever have to endure. 
And even in the very midst of our suffering and our seasons of difficulty and pain, he's there with us. And he's saying, I know, I know, I know. And when we're faced with the reality of the Jesus who suffered for us, we can't help but respond to him. I want to invite you to stand with me now. It's a song we sung earlier today, a new song. And out of a response to him today, this is our response, to sing this to him today. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach far too wide. But it wasn't. Jesus stretched out his arms and he bridged the gap. And with his blood poured out, he made it possible that we may know his forgiveness, his love and the full life that's possible in him. Even in the midst of difficulty and trial and, and hard things, we know he's done it. Let's sing our praises to him right now. Father God, it's been so good to be with you, to worship you and to hear from you. We look forward to another week of opportunities to love and to serve you and others. Help us to do this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, everyone. Have a great week.